Bill Connolly, first off, happy new year while we're still in the Larry David approved window. <laughs> yeah, New Year's Day is still a kind of a big deal for college football, most of the time anyway, so it's a good time. No, it was a huge day this year in 2024. I felt like we had some massive football games, so I'll hit you with this early. What was your high-level takeaway? I, I mean, we we headed into these two games, the two semifinals, thinking that, you know, it, it felt like there was a more of a chance that any of the four could win than there had been in a while. And, you know, with my SP plus ratings and and things, it certainly seemed like Michigan had the overall edge and they still do now heading into the final, but it, it really was. I mean, you know, both games came down to one play, the matchups, the specific matchups of each game really kind of bled through and made things, you know, both games were super unique in, in a lot of ways. And it was, it was just good. It was good college football. It was what we hoped for. And now we get a, a a final game that is kind of, you know, I can tell you Michigan's better, but there, it still seems pretty unpredictable overall. And and, and Washington has, <laughs> if he's not the best quarterback in the country overall, if Jaden Daniels won those honors with the Heisman Trophy or whatever, he's the best one in this playoff. And he looked like about the best player I've ever seen in college football against Texas on Monday night. Bill, before we dive in further, I think we need to introduce a term to our audience and maybe me myself. Uh, it's a metric that you have created. It's called SP+. What is SP+? <laughs> uh, the, the, the party answer on SP+, it is an opponent-adjusted and tempo-adjusted measure of, of efficiency, of sustainability in football. It tries to measure, you know, you've got 18 to 20-year-old guys playing with a pointy ball, and there's a lot of randomness inherent to that. But it's, a, it's an attempt to measure the things that are actually reliable and sustainable from, from week to week. Okay, I feel slightly smarter because of your intelligence here. Thank you. <laughs> but you said it, like, this is what we hope for every year. But the semifinals of the college football playoffs haven't always been great games. Not this year. We saw one of the best endings to a game this season. Here we go. No more timeouts to take here. Game on the line. It's Williams in motion. Low snap. Melrose stopped. Michigan makes a stand and comes up with a milestone playoff victory. We also saw one of the best performances of the year. As you said, Michael Penix Jr. flexed all of his talents in the Sugar Bowl against Texas. Play fake by Penix. They brought extra rushers to the horns, and the throw's right on target. How about the throw by Michael Penix? I mean, right in the bucket. So with the national championship coming up on Monday night at NRG Stadium in Houston, Bill, how do these two teams represent the 2023 college football season? It's kind of cool that they that these two teams made it for any number of reasons, I guess, but also because they reflect two different kind of schools of roster management. And in 2023, you know, you've got a lot more ways to build a good team now than they used to. I mean, obviously, Alabama and Georgia have won a ton of national titles by basically you know, loading up on five stars. But, um, you know, the, Michigan was able to, they had plenty of blue chippers of their own, but they have, uh, you know, some transfers here and there. They built over time, though. They, you know, the very developmental. Every year, they've just gotten a little better for three or four years, or three years now, I guess. It's been really cool to see them just get incrementally better every year. Then you've got Washington with a transfer quarterback and, um, you know, a receiving core that, that Kalen DeBoer basically had to re-recruit the moment he walked in the door and a transfer running back who 
was vital down the stretch. And it's it's very clear now with new coaches coming into these jobs that you can really install your identity pretty quickly now, depending on who you can land in the transfer portal. And Washington took that route. I, they have fewer blue chippers than we're used to seeing in the national title game. I guess maybe more than TCU had last year, but they're better than TCU. And they have, a, I think, a le- legit shot here with the quarterback play that they're going to bring to the table here. Uh, they've got a legit shot, even if Michigan's favorite. I think uh, Washington has a very good shot of winning this game. So what you're telling me is this is a really exciting end to one of the great college football seasons that represents the end as we know it. <laughs> That's right. Everything, Everything's so good. Let's change everything. That sounds like a, <laughs> a wonderful idea. For the last few years, the college football playoff semifinals have seemed to end with a whimper instead of a bang. But this year's New Year's Day, with both games decided on the final play, we finally saw the fireworks we had always hoped for. What does this all mean for the legacies of everyone involved in this final year of the four-team playoffs? Will we see Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban back on the sidelines next season? Is what we saw from Florida State the new normal? And will a 12-team playoff fix everything? Today... Bill Connolly joins us to sort through all of the excitement as the college football season heads towards the finish line. I'm Emily Kaplan. It's Wednesday, January 3rd. This is ESPN Daily. Delicious, meat nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids. They're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. All right, Bill, I want to take a closer look at how these two teams got here. So let's start with Michigan, whose season included two separate suspensions for their head coach, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, how do you describe their path to the national championship? Yeah, I mean, the one thing we know about Michigan at this point is they don't they handle distractions well. Um, They've had plenty of them and they've dealt with them, obviously. You start with a suspended Harbaugh. Um, now, now when we say suspended, obviously we're not. Ta- he was he was allowed in the building. He was still the coach. You know, all but about three hours per week. So it, it probably it, it wasn't as big an ordeal as it could have been, I guess. But it was still you know something else they had to handle on game day, and you really try to you know, control every amount of the controllable on game day. So the fact that they were able to handle that with little problem, you know, early in the year, they they would bolt out to big leads against bad opponents um, and then just kind of sit on those leads and, and you know, do them, you know, just win in a pretty boring way, if we're being honest. But um, they were able to handle that because they had a, a pretty weak early start to the season. But it got hard late. I mean, you had Penn State, you had uh, Ohio State there at the end of the season. You had Iowa's defense, at least. Iowa's offense is... 
you know, you don't really have to prepare for that, but they faced three of the probably four or five best defenses in the country down the stretch, scored more on them than just about anybody else had all year with their coach suspended and all the spy allegations going around. And so they, yeah, they're unflappable in that regard. It's interesting. You mentioned those teams that they beat down the stretch and probably the most significant is Ohio State because for Harbaugh, there's always been these questions, right? It's first, could he beat Ohio State? Yeah, he did. And then after back-to-back college football playoffs, semifinal losses, it was, could he get to the national championship game? So now that we're here, now that Michigan has a chance to win its first title since 1997, what are the stakes for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh? Going by the last few years, I guess, you know, we can predict that they'll lose this one and then win next year. They they seem to just take these little incremental steps each year, but pretty sure they won't like that very much. I think they just want to get that title out of the way immediately. It is. I mean, you don't the patience level that that Jim Harbaugh has had and that Michigan has had in Jim Harbaugh has created this this, uh, you know, there are so many jobs, so many big jobs in this country where, you know, uh, Ryan Day, like he, he's he's now struggling at Ohio State to to, to try to meet the expectations and keep uh, get, you know fit, keep the flames down a little bit. Uh, Harbaugh's never really had those problems. Obviously, being a former star quarterback was beneficial, and and he turned the program around pretty much immediately before starting to before returns diminished there for a bit. Um, but he's he's very comfortable in his job, and and now you're you see the results of that. You can just kind of have that slow incremental growth and we'll see if it was we, we'll see if they're ready for the title if they need a four shot at it here a four straight playoff next year I don't know but it's really hard to doubt them at this point with the with the growth they've made I want to narrow in on the stakes for Jim Harbaugh himself because <laughs> we've mentioned it was such a contentious season and for weeks now I feel like I've heard these on and off reports about contract talks between him and Michigan's athletic director Ward Manuel And then Harbaugh reportedly hired a new agent recently, Don Gee, who has deep ties to the NFL. He represented Tom Brady for many years, Sean Payton. So, Bill, do you think a national championship would improve his odds of going to the NFL? Like, how are we handicapping his future right now? Well, I definitely think, you know, if you spend too long trying to get into Jim Harbaugh's head, it's not going to go very well. It's not going to make any more sense. He, 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 you know, dances to the beat of his own drum, typically. But at the same time... You know, Harbaugh NFL rumors have become kind of just put one of the mile markers of the of the college football season too. You've got you know conference championships and bowls and signing day, and then Harbaugh's NFL flirtation, and then the second signing day, and so on. Uh, we're pretty used to these types of rumors. It would make all the sense of the world. You you bring a national title back to your alma mater. You go back to the pros to chase the Super Bowl. Like that'll make sense. I just. He seems to. He, he never really seems to do what's expected. So uh, the uh, the harder the rumors go, the louder they get. The more I just assume he's going to do the opposite. We'll see. All right, let's go on to his opponent because they're going to face the Washington Huskies, who edged Texas on Monday night, thirty-seven to thirty-one in the Sugar Bowl. Washington last won it all in nineteen ninety-one when, ironically, they beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl. And the Huskies have been led all season by Heisman runner-up Michael Penix Jr. I could tell by the way you were alluding to him earlier, you're a big fan of this guy. He's an Indiana transfer. So, Bill, tell me, what made him so special this year? Yeah, the story, first of all. I mean, you you rarely get stories this good. You really, you really get quarterbacks 
this ta- this openly talented that you get to, to follow for this longer period of time in college football. But obviously, you know, his story is pretty well known at this point. He he came to Indiana. That's where he he connected with Kalen DeBoer for a year when DeBoer was the uh, offensive coordinator there. He he shows all the promise in the world. He has four straight season ending injuries, including a pair of ACL tears. His last year at Indiana was um, 2021. I, he played the first half of the year before another injury. He just was kind of a shadow of his former self. He had been so good uh, to start the 2020 season. And it just, it was, it was a really sad, felt like a sad ending to a story. So then he goes to Washington and becomes better than he ever has. Uh, throws for a million yards his very first year there. Uh, and, and then kind of tops that. He was, you know, his stat line from about the first half of the season was Joe Burrow 2019 levels. Just unbelievable production. Um, but it it took more than him to get Washington to this point, just because he, you know there are rumors of, of of rib injuries and whatnot. There, he, his his uh, his effectiveness w- kind of slipped over the last half of the season. But they leaned on Dylan Johnson, the running back. He started putting up huge numbers. Uh, they won a ton of close games, even though they weren't playing their best. Uh, and then they get to the playoff, and Penix plays his, the the game of his life. So. It's it's just a cool story. We rarely get this many acts and this many plot twists that end in the national title game. And yeah, it all it all ties together nicely. And I'm curious how the story ends. Well, it's not going to end for him, hopefully, because he's a highly regarded quarterback heading into the NFL draft. And it's a loaded year, right? We've got USC's Caleb Williams, Drake May out of North Carolina. Sometimes we see the top prospects opt out this time of year, but how will Penix's performance in the national championship game affect his draft stock? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think this is a, a, a you know a very overthinking kind of situation for basically every draft scout because his, what he's done is obvious. You know, he doesn't even need if he, even if he's just kind of average in, against Michigan in the title game. What he did against Texas is is all the film uh, an NFL scout needs to show his potential and his potential's off the charts. Nobody's really doubting his potential. It's just. The, the, the season-ending injuries, the two knee, uh, the ACL tears, just the, all the different things. You, you're going to have to talk yourself into, you know, that's not going to happen if he comes to our team. If we spend uh, all this draft stock and bringing him here, uh, hopefully he doesn't get hurt every single year. Obviously, he's been um, pretty much untouched at Washington and, and and very healthy enough, at least. And and so I, I am curious because... The films, the films there. He's he's left. He's been around forever. Uh, he's he's shown scouts everything he can do, and nothing really on Monday will change that. But yeah, you still have to work past the injuries, and and we've seen plenty of instances where scouts can't really do that. All right, I feel obligated to mention at least one Michigan person that's not named Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. What do you make of the draft stock of JJ McCarthy? <laughs> he's it's 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 hard. It's hard to figure out because until. Monday evening with five minutes left in the fourth quarter against Alabama, he hadn't faced a single you've got to score now situation. So they handled their business so well that we didn't necessarily see how they would handle adversity and handle pressure until that one drive against Alabama. They carved right down the field. They scored, almost scored too quickly, honestly. They gave Alabama a minute and a half and that could have backfired in the end, but but Alabama stalled out as well. I think... McCarthy, because his job's been so easy and he's just hasn't had to, you know, had that that many high pressure situations. So it's hard to tell if we know everything we didn't know uh, about. Like, I think the best thing for his draft stock would be Washington's up 14 points in the fourth quarter and he looks spectacular in bringing them back or something. But um, it, it is kind of 
an incomplete resume in that regard. And, and you know, I don't think he's going to feel too bad about it because it's it means his team's been really good. But um, no, it, and it, should, it bears mentioning, too, he was number one in total QBR for a good portion of the year. He's He doesn't throw nearly as much as some of the other great quarterbacks, but he, he does well when he has to. Uh, injuries kind of caught up to him uh, late in the year against good defenses. But he's he's proven he's passed the tests with flying colors. He just hasn't had as many tests as, say, Michael Penix Jr. After the break, more on the college football landscape. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So, Bill, as the dust settles from the semifinal games, the biggest question not involving Michigan and Washington is probably about one of the biggest faces in college football, and that's Alabama head coach Nick Saban. He's in his 17th year at the program. It's Crimson Tide. I mean, they were written off early in this year after a loss to Texas, and then they stormed back to get as close to a national championship appearance as you can get. What does the future hold for Nick Saban? Yeah, it was funny. Um, this year, you saw a lot over these last few weeks heading toward the playoff. A lot of, um, you know, this has been Nick Saban's best coaching job ever kind of, you know, vibes from a lot of people. And I was I was struggling with that because he still has the most blue chippers uh, on his roster, like even more than Georgia, I think. You know, they the, the talent overflows. And so any adversity they faced was kind of their own fault. Um, you know, he brought in Tommy Reese as offensive coordinator. His his quarterback situation was not quite as openly strong. I mean, he felt so shaky about the quarterback situation with Milrow and Ty Simpson and whatnot that he brought in Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame when he hired, you know, after spring practice. So um, it, it, it felt like, you know, for, for all the blue chippers on that roster, they just didn't know what they had at quarterback. They didn't know what they wanted at quarterback. Um, and and now we enter an offseason where their offense still, like Jalen Milrow um, found himself. He was one of the six or eight best quarterbacks in the country over the last like five, six, seven games of the year. Um, but they have to figure out, like, are they happy with what they had there? They still struggle, especially against Michigan. 
The passing game really struggled. Pass protection was was pretty abysmal. Um, and and Jalen Milrow is just a very patient playmaker who's going to take a lot of hits in the process. I'm I'm curious if if Saban's okay with what he saw there uh, because this wasn't the bar is absurdly high for Alabama. But with my SP Plus ratings, this is their worst team since 2008. Um, it still made the playoffs. Still went 11 and one. That's you know most teams would be thrilled with what Alabama produced, but it's still not as good as it was. And I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I'm curious how what changes they attempt to make this off season. Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that either. So that's I, I you know we this is also th- the time of year where we speculate is he going to retire and so on and so forth. I I'm just going to let that surprise me. I think he could coach till he's 117 at this rate. But um, I am very curious now if he's satisfied with what he just saw or if he thinks he has ground to make up. And what do you do if that's the case? How about the other team that was ousted in the semifinals? It's Texas. They were long one of the anchors of the Big 12, but we're entering this confusing, brave new world as they and Oklahoma head to the SEC next season. What do you think 2024 looks like for them? When you join the SEC, you hear from all these people that, oh, you have no idea what this competition is like. It's going to be unbelievable. They try to paint it like you're playing Alabama every week. Um, And you're not. There are plenty of extremely beatable teams that you're going to play, but it is a harder schedule than they're used to. And that can really wreak havoc with your expectations. I think what we saw from Texas this year, I mean, the simple fact that not only did they make the playoff after all these years of, you know, are they back? Are they back? Um, the defensive front that they had. They had the best defensive, especially interior defensive line in the country. And Washington, you know, just had to work around it. They couldn't, you know, they got stuffed up the middle repeatedly. Um, it was a it was a big physical team that they had. And and that was a good sign, I think. This is they didn't really cut any corners here. Uh, they've got a, a good quarterback lineage set up. Obviously, uh, we'll see who who they lose from those uh, from on on in the trenches on both sides. But um, he's Steve Sarkeesian knows what he's doing. He's been around a lot of really good program builders in his career, from Pete Carroll to Nick Saban. Okay, Bill, I want to ask you about bowl season at large. Uh, let's use the Orange Bowl as an example. That's Florida State and Georgia. They're two teams who believe they should have been in the top four in the college football playoff. And instead, they meet in what could be the ugliest Orange Bowl ever. And I'm saying that with respect to Georgia fans who clearly probably enjoyed it. Georgia's 63-3 win. 63-3. to I'm going to say that again. It was the largest in bowl history. That score doesn't really tell the full story. It was opt-outs, injuries, and players in the transfer portal. The Seminoles were down to 29 scholarship players. So how broken is the system right now? Well, Florida State was obviously the extreme example. Not only, you know, not only did they miss the playoff, but they had a very extremely justifiable reason to be particularly mad about it. The fact that they hadn't lost, uh, the fact that the committee basically told them they're, you know, we always talk about how, you know, with a 12-team playoff, that'll ruin the integrity of the regular season or whatever. Well, tell a Florida State fan that. They, they just watched the, the integrity of their regular season didn't matter at all. So there was, like, extra negativity going on there. And and so it wasn't necessarily a bowl season as a whole. They, there, was, there, there was a lot going on with Florida State. But... Yeah, obviously, especially with some of the bigger games, there were, there were some key opt-outs from, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State to some of the Penn, of Penn State's best defenders. And Penn State, their defense got uh, got shredded by Ole Miss in a way that really hadn't, you know, they hadn't had to worry about all year. We've learned this already, but we definitely learned it this year. What, what you see in bowl games moving forward, it's not going to be the teams we saw in the regular season. And, and that could be okay. Like, you know, the original purpose of a bowl was, you know, a, a, an exhibition to celebrate a good season. It didn't even count towards the polls until the late 60s. So 
in that sense, we're, we're fulfilling the original point, I guess, of the Bulls, but it, it is it is a change. And um, I'm curious how the Bulls themselves, you know, obviously the Pop-Tarts Bowl was a was an internet sensation and a lot of people watched it. And, uh, you know, we watched we, we got to watch a, a Pop-Tart get cannibalized and whatnot. But um, it's 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 an interesting play. It's an interesting time for bowls in general, just because of that. You know, you got to sell the spectacle, not necessarily. Hey, you're going to see players A, B, and C in this game because that's just not going to. Especially with the 12 team playoff, 12 team playoff will solve one problem in that. You know, Florida State wouldn't have had as many opt outs and transfers as they had because they would have still had a chance to play for the national title. Uh, so those big games will be bigger because there will be fewer opt outs. But the number 13 team is still going to have opt outs. The number 26 team is still going to have them. And, and that's just something that, you know, it is what it is. There's, I, I don't see a way back to that. You can still make the games entertaining, though. Next year, we're getting the 12 team championship bracket alongside this massive conference realignment. Just to use your best predictive crystal ball, what trends do you think we're going to be talking about the first week of January 2025? Yeah, it, it is going to be the, having the two of them together, having not only the 12-team playoff, but then also having this realignment situation where, I mean, you know, it's it's got to be like the Champions League in soccer, where you know the winner always comes from Premier League or La Liga most of the time. We're gonna we're gonna have a 12 team playoff that is gonna be approximately four SEC teams, approximately four Big Ten teams, and approximately four for the other seven conferences. And um, it's not optimal. I, I hate the way that this last round has kind of you know broken geography and my brain. You know, just the fact that Oregon and Oregon State aren't rivals, but Oregon and Rutgers are. Like that's not fun. That's uh, that's I don't love that very much. But I, I, there's nothing I can really do about it either. Uh, it's, it is going to result in a lot more interesting matchups. I think the most important thing is you know right now the top four seeds all go to conference champions. So um, you know the Big Twelve champion still has a lot to or it's still very important to be the Big Twelve champion. It's still going to be really important to be the ACC champion. I think that's humongous uh, just to make sure that these. You know that 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 the seats at the table for everybody else not in the in the SEC and Big Ten are really valuable ones, and and so hopefully that's I know after two years here they're going to renegotiate and kind of re, reconfigure the playoff um, with the new contract. Hopefully that part stays because I do think that's really important. I think it's really important that the group of five gets uh, a representative as well. That was the, the the biggest draw for me personally with with going to a twelve team playoff was that now it, no matter who you are in. FBS, if you feel the best team you have you've ever fielded and, and you go unbeaten, you're gonna have a shot at the title, even if you even if your odds are long. And, and that's really cool. Um, you know, the power structure is getting a lot more narrow here, but the inclusion level for the playoff in with 12 teams is still really high. All right. To put a bow on the wonkiness of the 2023 season, I'm just gonna put you on the spot one more time, Bill. In this future Big Ten national championship game of Washington versus Michigan. Who is walking away as the national champion next week? I think it's Michigan. I think they've been the best team all year, and uh, aside from maybe Georgia, and now they get a chance to to officially prove it. But it is it makes for a fun game when the best team doesn't have the best quarterback. And Michael Penix Jr., the way he played on Monday night, he would have been the best quarterback for any team in the country. So, yeah, you, you got to watch. But I figure Michigan ends up uh, pulling away. So I'm hearing a high scoring matchup. Yeah, I mean Michigan's defense is so good that um they can they'll they'll hold you below your season average, but Washington season average is also really high. So yeah, we, we should have plenty of yards and points. 
Bill, I hope you have plenty of yards, points, and all good things for you in 2024. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. I'm Emily Kaplan. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.